new season of the AFL and new season of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Catherine McLeod. So excited to have you with us for the 2021 season and joining me for the first episode of the year doing a season preview is Patty Grinlay. Patty, how are you? Pleasure to have you as the first host of the season. Thanks very much, Casper. Great to be hearing your voice again from the same country this time. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Elated, elated to have football back in Melbourne. It's been fantastic watching the AFLW over the summer months. And now as autumn comes in, we get to go back to the MCG and back to Marvel Stadium, which is an exciting prospect indeed. Great to be here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm I'm so excited to go to the football again. Like you've no, I'm just waiting until Tuesday so I can buy those tickets. Of course, I'm talking about the tickets for the Bombers v Hawks clash, but that's for a later episode to discuss. In this one, we're going to be doing a run through of each team's home uh, and away season prediction. We'll see whether or not it'll be a good year or a bad year. We'll say why. We'll do a ladder prediction. Who we think is going to be in the grand final. Who we think is going to win it all. Who we think is going to finish dead motherless last. As I think I said, Melbourne was going to finish the end of 2020 with. Sorry about that, Demons fans. Um, and as well as the coach that is under the most amount of pressure uh, this season. First, we'll start off with the Adelaide Crows. Patty, is it going to be a yay year or a nay year? Well, I really like that you've offered me a nice, easy one to start the year off because <laughs> I liked where the Crows were going at the end of last year. And I think there's still a lot to really like about their young young players. But an inexperienced group it was to finish 2020 and they've been handed another tough run with the departures of Crouch and Hardigan. I think this is going to be a really tough year for the Crows. I think it's got wooden spoon written all over it. It's going to be a long, long year where they're going to be reliant on a lot of younger players throughout the season. And I think there's going to probably come a point really where the Crows will have a month where they're just roadkill, um, no pun intended. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm not bullish for the Crows. I'm not, I'm not hopeful for, for Matthew Nix's sophomore year in yep. the... A1 coaching position, I think it's going to be a tough season at Westlake. Yep, I agree with that. I think I think they're gonna I think they're gonna have a better year than in 2020. And I say that because I think their last month they really showed something. And they they set the groundwork for improvement in 2021. You know, great wins against Premier against finals contenders, excuse me, in GWS and Carlton. Um, and dismantling the Hawks as well. Uh, really impressive victories. I just, I don't think it's going to be a massive improvement from them. It's going to be another long year with a few bright spots for the Crows. Moving on to yeah. the Brisbane Lions, a team that finished almost at the exact opposite end of the ladder from the Crows. Uh, Patty, yay or nay for the boys from Brisbane town? Opposite end of the ladder and opposite fortunes, I think, in 2021. Brisbane, really well-primed, I think, for a premiership run. They've had two bites at the cherry already. They've had a tough experience with the straight sets bombing out in 2019. Last year, a home prelim, which they bottled against the Cats. 
So twice scorned, twice as deadly, perhaps, for the Lions. Yeah. I mean, they'll be hoping so. I think the addition of Joe Danaher, that's going to be a real make or break. He's tearing up the track. He apparently kicked five on Harris Andrews and a half at the intra-club, which bodes well for Brisbane's hopes. But this is a guy who's had famous, very famous injury issues. Mm. That groin, how's it going to hold up? Is he going to be able to go through the season without perhaps suffering suffering rather a soft tissue injury after wear and tear because he will be smacked into for the Lions. They're going to be pegging a lot of their hopes on him. Um, a lot really depends on this Lions team remaining fit on that midfield engine firing around Lockie Neal. If so, it's going to be another top four finish for Brisbane, I believe, and I think it's going to be a good year. But, geez, it, it, all, it all hangs on Joe. Is it going to be a good year or is it going to be a great year for the Lions? We have to find out. I agree with that, especially with Cam Rayner and that devastating injury that he suffered against the Suns. Absolute massive loss for them. But I think it speaks volumes to how strong that team's forward line is that I don't think it's going to hurt their premiership chances this season, Brisbane. I still think that they are good enough to cover for the loss of Rayner. Um, and I'm just, I'm already excited for when Rayner gets back in 2022 or whenever it is. To play in that forward line, geez, that forward line mm-hmm. is going to be in amazing to watch. As for this year, I agree, Joe Danaher. Maybe the change of climate is going to help. Maybe a uh, medical team that actually knows what they're doing. That's a bit harsh on. Okay, that's a bit harsh on the it's SM bit, yeah. team. But I mean, to be honest with you, they had two to three years to help him with his injury, and they they couldn't do it. So maybe Brisbane will be better. I don't know, uh, but this year. Brisbane should be a tour de force this season. Should be a uh, key word there. Carlton, the Navy mm. Blues. What do you reckon, Patty? God, it's a big year. Um, we've been waiting for Carlton to come good for such a long time. And the feeling around the club and around the traps is really that this should be it. They've got Sardin Williams in, which is really two massive pieces. Adds a lot of pace, adds midfield depth. It's not just Cripps and Murphy. There's a lot of lot of guys around them. Lockie Fogarty's been brought in. But their their hospital ward situation in their in their rehab group is, is an issue. They're not gonna have Charlie Kerno for a while. Everyone seem, every tall forward seems to be battling some sort of injury. So the question is consistency for Carlton. Because they desperately don't need they don't want to be the also also rent. And if I look down at my ladder prediction, there are about eight teams who you can throw a blanket over. We're in that sort same sort of developmental position where they should be contending for that bottom half of the eight. But so is everyone else. So I I really don't know with Carlton. It, it's a, it's one of the few genuine like 50-50s could go either way because they've got the talent to roll through the competition and to really set up a good month but we've been saying that for a while this is the big delivering year for Carlton if it doesn't happen now you have to really question how far they can actually go with this group yep I agree with that all the pizzas are in place Carlton has Carlton fans have been suffering for too long they say this year is surely the year where they make finals football maybe maybe not we'll get to that in the latter predictions um but to be honest with you, uh, I think it's going to be 
I, I think it's going to be an okay year for Carlton. Um, I'm not super confident on them making finals just because I don't think that in recent years they've, they've stacked up all that well when the pressure's been applied to them. And this year the pressure is going to be applied to them 24-7. And so mm. it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with the pressure. It's going to be interesting. The one thing they have to get right is the lapses where they allowed teams to kick a massive string goal against them, right? Started first half against Richmond last year, round one against Melbourne, pretty sure it happened against Adelaide as well. So, and in all those games, they lost. And you know, it was close. It was an honourable honor losses, you know, except for losing to the Crows, because no offence, Adelaide fans, but losing to you guys last year wasn't really honourable. Um, but it, they just have to fix that. You know, they have to, when it, when it, when the momentum is against them, they have to figure out a way to wrestle it back quicker. And so if they manage to do that, then yeah, they're a shot for the finals. But it's going to be an interesting year in uh, for that football club. That is for sure. On to Collingwood. Speaking of an interesting year. Huh? Oh, yeah. I'm curious to see what you say of the pies, Patty. Yeah. Everyone reckons Collingwood will slide, including me, I think. Um, they weren't, they just scraped into the top eight last year, which we often forget because of the quality of their win over West Coast in the first week of the final. But I don't really see them matching that again. I don't see them jumping into the eight again this year because that team's been gutted. I think on a number of levels, we can talk about personnel, we can talk about culture and corporate dynamics, but Collingwood's had the worst off-season of the lot, really. So I don't. I think it's going to be, regardless of really the on-field result, it's going to be a tough year. This is a club which has basically done a, I don't want to say soul-searching because it's a cliche, but they've had to really dig into themselves as an, that sort of Collingwood identity to really come out this year fighting. And there's a lot of guys who are going to be tasked with a lot more responsibility. A guy like, for example, Josh Dacos is really going to have a lot at his feet and a lot put on his shoulders by the coaching staff to perform. He's wearing the number of Adam Trelaw. He's going to be getting his midfield minutes he needs to deliver. So how much pressure can this club withstand on the field? I don't know. I don't know with Collingwood. I, I get the feeling it's not going to be one of their greater years. I've, I've got them penciled down for a tough one. But it really... It really depends on how they respond to the last four months. Yep, Patty, I fully agree with you on that one. Collingwood has had the off season from hell. Uh, if even the even the most uh, evil anti Collingwood people could not design an off season as poor as the one that Collingwood has had, it's been shocking. It's been really, really bad. Will it? impact them this year? I think it will. Um, I've seen many people predict Essendon to have the biggest slide. Uh, maybe I'm a little bit biased. I am massively biased, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think Colin was going to have the biggest slide this season, which we'll get to. I think it's going to be a terrible year for them, but maybe it's the year that they needed, not just a cultural reset, but maybe mm -hmm. a plain list reset too. And so uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this year ends up being a one-off for Collingwood and then they start contending for finals again in 2022. Moving on to the Bombers. Uh, bombed out at the back end of last year. 
absolute shocking uh, back half of last year for Essendon. Won just one in, I think, our last 10 games, and that came against Hawthorne off the back of a player who is no longer playing for us. Lost Adam Saad <laughs> in the offseason, as well as Arazio Fantasia and the aforementioned Joe Danaher. Brought in a lot of good young players, though. So the long-distance future looks good, but the short-term, however... Uh, Patty, what do you think? Yeah, the short term, I think, to, to finish off your thought, really, with my own opinion, is that it's not going to be very good. But um, it's a, it's an interesting year for us, and then you're going to see a lot more young, you're going to see a lot of young players make their way in, um, courtesy, especially with the, the vacancies of the off-season, but also injuries to Michael Hurley, who's dealing with a really horrible infection mm. at the moment. He may not be back at all this year. Um, and I can't imagine uh, the Essendon outfit with a team that is really in a potentially a rebuilding phase. I can't see them sticking the whole year through with Cal Hooker and with the one position. So we're going to see a lot of new faces. and They'll probably start this weekend. I think it is going to be a tough year for the Dons, but there are a lot of things that can go right. Peter Wright, um, rhyming accidentally there, looked really, really good um, in the two preseason games. Yeah. That I've seen for Essendon and they exceeded my own expectations in both of those games really um, Ben Rutten seems willing to to sort of play fast and loose um, with his magnets on the board which I think is a good thing for the Dons but I still don't see this year producing much joy for Essendon supporters sorry Casper but I think there is certainly some light at the end of the tunnel really mm. I think I think we uh, will show improvement on last year. And that's all I want, really, as an Essendon supporter. You know, finals, not realistic this year. And, you know what, after years and years and years of saying, you know, this is going to be our year, this is going to be our year, this is, you know, this is going to be a year we contend for the top four, this is going to be the year we win a final. I'm, I'm actually enjoying heading into a season with the only expectation being improvement. Whether that's on the ladder or whether that's on percentage, whether that's the number of massive losses that we have decreasing and whether or not that we actually get a win by more than three goals uh, remains to be seen. I just want improvement to be shown and I want players playing at the club who want to be there, which I think now we have, which is really good. Yeah. That being said, I think it's going to be Based on last year, I think it's going to be more of the same for us, which I know for some Essendon supporters is going to be absolute torture, but it is what it is. We are rebuilding from a mini failed rebuild under John Westfold. So, you know, it might take a couple of seasons for us to get into a position to make finals again. But that being said, we did nearly beat Geelong and Geelong during the preseason. And the last time that we Mm. played Geelong in Geelong, during the regular season was 1993, a year where we weren't supposed to win the premiership and we did. Good omen. There you go. Remains to be seen. And we finished 13th at the end of last year. Where was Richmond at the end of 2016? I rest my case. There you go. Moving on. Fremantle. (laughs) The Dockers. What do you reckon, Patty? Interesting season. I like the Dockers. Yep. Yep. I I like them too. I like them too. Do you you think that they're going to make finals footy this year? 
I think they're really um, amongst it. I think they're in that sort of group which Carlton are in also of these teams that have been developing for a little while. They've got they've got talent on the park, but they've got that younger group that's really starting to come through at a rate of knots. So Andy Brayshaw and Adam Chera, um, yeah, your big examples. But the Dockers have done a a nice quiet renovation. They've built around Fife and Walters really well. You've got Luke Ryan, Brennan Cox, who are playing exceptionally well down back. They get some reinforcements. Alex Pierce is back from injury. Joel Hamling's there as well. Um, but one I'm most excited for is Hayden Young, who's in his second year, left foot half back, did a syndesmosis injury in 2020, which saw him ruled out for the majority of the year. He's full, fully fit and he's my rising star, Smokey. Um, he's the leader of the field that trails Matthew Rao. In my opinion, I'm I'm really bullish about the Dockers. I have them right amongst that scrap for the seventh and eighth position on the ladder, the conclusion of the season. I think it's going to be a good year. I think they play good, exciting footy. And as long as they can stay fit, which has been something that's dogged Fremantle for really almost, honestly, a dec- the last decade. If they can stay fit, which again, you can say about most teams, I think they've got the, the right formula this year to contend for finals. I agree with that. Many years in the wilderness for Docker supporters. There are some who say that they've been in the wilderness since 1995. Ouch. But touche. I think you're correct in some sense, obviously, without a flag heading into the 2021 season. Will that change this year? I don't think so. I don't think they'll win the flag this year. I don't think they'll contend for the flag. But they will contend for finals. Baby steps, Dockers. Baby steps. They were the best. I think they were the most impressive team last year out of the teams that missed out on the finals. I think they were the ones that had they made it, they would have done the most damage in September. Uh, they were the ones who were most unlucky to miss out this season, uh, that season, I should say, Fremantle. Um, so I think this year should be a good year for the Dockers and it should be a, a year where they show that it's not going to take long for them to get back to that 2012 to 2015 form where they were constantly challenging for the flag. Um, be an interesting year for Fremantle. Fremantle supporters, enjoy this. Geelong. Now, uh, I'm going to start off by saying that I think it's going to be a bad year for the Cats. Wow. Bad year for the Cats. This is why I say that. You have a lot of players who are 30 and above who I think relying on so many players over that age range is a very risky business because if God forbid Geelong fans say if they get struck with the injury bug and they lose three or four of those players, I'm talking the likes of Cameron Hawkins, Selwood, uh, Higgins, etc. Where I'm not convinced about their depth, Geelong to be able to cover losses like that. Now uh, they are the best home and away team of the 2010s. They continued into 2020 last year, but I think with age you lose a little bit of speed. So I think teams are mm. going to be able to catch them on the rebound this season quite a lot and might be able to carve up the cats through the midfield. I think it's a massive gamble that they've taken. And I think for 2021, it will backfire. Yep. 
I like it. I think there's a lot really with the Caps that can go wrong, but I think it's also balanced with the things that can go right because they are so dependent on these three new guys coming in and, and working for them. You can see that Selwood's in the twilight of his career. You can see that Dangerfield is getting really all of the attention and there's not really much they can really do to, to accentuate his performance. We saw that last year, I think, with Dangerfield's probably his worst year at the Cats, I think. And that's, you know, that says something about the quality of the play. He still was very good. But with his fall, we saw Guthrie and then a goal take, in particular, take a lot of the load that Dangerfield had sort of left. Um, and, and, you know, Guthrie was an All-Australian, wasn't he? So... They're, they're close, Geelong, and they've just gotten close with these additions. But there is so much that can go wrong this year. You, 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 we're talking like hamstring injuries. You know, if, if Selwood gets hit, hurt a few times, you know, where does that leave your side balance? You haven't got a lot of guys, as you said, to really step up um, necessarily. I'm really I'm, I'm interested to see what Charlie Constable and Quinton Narkel can do. But behind them, there's a lot of guys who haven't played a lot of senior footy who are going to have to be taking up the, the load. Big year in particular, I'm excited to watch Jordan Clark play. Um, had a really tough run with injury. Western Australian was reportedly very close to get going back home to his home state. Geelong kept him. They also kept Constable. So they're two young guys who I think Geelong, for their own sake, need to break into that senior side somehow. But there is a lot. There's a lot that can go wrong, but I think it is almost probably equally or more than equally balanced by the things that can go right. I think they are as close to a premiership as they will probably ever get with this list profile. Um, I think if it's not this year, then I can't really see them going back to the mountain in 2022. So it is all or nothing. They've loaded up Geelong um, and best of luck to them. Yep. Yep. It's going to be, a, I think, a heart and mouth year for Geelong supporters. Because I agree with you, their premiership window is not going to remain open for much longer after this season. On to the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, one of the surprise packets of the 2020 season faded out badly, as they have done throughout most of their existence. Started the season off strong and then had a terrible back half of the year. This year, the fixture in the back half is very favorable to them obviously going off of 2020 forms. We don't know how other teams are going to perform, um, but it looks good for the Suns. Surely no excuses this year for them, Patty, to have another fade out. Mm, yeah, and they've done the right thing. They've fleshed out their list quite nicely with some more experienced players and some guys who haven't really got a trot. The one I'm most excited for is ex-Tiger Oleg Markov, who's work off half-back really helped Richmond through a tough period in 2020 when the Tigers had a few back, backs out. Markov came in and can play a really good news to fix it role. And I think he'll be a really, really good recruit. It's going to be tough for the Suns because I think they've, they've got, as, we, as you say, there's no excuses this year. Their list is looking in a much better spot. But is it all going to come together? That's the issue because it never really has for longer than a couple of weeks. We saw periods through 2020 where we thought this team was good enough to make finals. And then a few teams got a hold of them. And as you say, they faded out, no pun intended once again. But it's a 50-50 it's a year for the Suns, I think. They, they're in that mix that I've mentioned a few times with teams 
in that, you know, the upper part of the lower half of the eight, looking to go and jump into the finals probably for the first time. And I think they're going to be tough to play at Metricon. That, that trip is going to start to become quite unenviable in the coming years. But I'm not quite sure if, it's, if, it's, if they're quite ready yet. I think they're towards the bottom of the pile in that big old eight-team group. Yep. I agree with that. Suns, I think this is the year they can challenge for finals football. I don't think they're quite ready yet, but I think this is the year that they're going to at least give it a, a, a red hot crack. Um, and, you know, I think for Gold Coast supporters after, you know, the horrible years of 2015 through to 2018, 2019, really, that's all you can ask for. And so with the continued development of Matty Rao, and Noah Anderson, two of potentially the best players mm. in the competition in the making, could form a formidable duo. Both could win Brownlow medals, Norm Smith medals, who knows. I think this year they're going to possibly have the best year they've ever had. And so, yeah, there'll be some saying like, oh, that's not too difficult. You know, the highest they've ever finished is 12th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, young team, young team. You know, I think it's time that the football world this year is going to start giving them a little bit of respect. They're going to have some big wins this year, Gold Coast. A couple of disappointing losses to be expected for a team that young. On to the Giants. I'll start first. I think it's going to be a big, big disappointment for GWS. Uh, The big, big sound is going to be drowned out. And I reckon they're going to finish in the bottom four simply because wow. they have continued to hemorrhage talent from their list with the amount of players leaving and losing Jeremy Cameron. Jeremy Cameron is, is a player you don't, I think, recover easily from losing. Um, and I look at their list and I look at all the exciting players they still have. And I think, geez, who's going to finish off their career at GWS? And at this point, if trend continues, probably no one. You know, you look at Tim Taranto, you look at Kelly, it's like there are going to be a lot of clubs circling them. And if the Giants have a bad year, which I think they're going to, next season, next offseason could be even more painful for GWS. Bought in Hogan, bought in uh, Proust as well. I, I don't think it's going to be a good season for GWS. Both of those players, I don't think, are going to play in round one, have a delayed start to the year. It's going to, I, I don't think Hogan is as good a player as Cameron. And so replacing Cameron with Hogan, I don't think is, a, is an upgrade. And you know, I hope for Hogan's sake that he proves me wrong. You know, I like him. I liked him back when he was a really good player. And I like him even now, you know, nice bloke he seems to be. But I just don't think it's going to be a very good year for GWS supporters, you know, and maybe this is the year that finally Leon Cameron has to hand over the keys to the Ferrari, you know, to have have had the talent that he's had ever since taking over from Kevin Sheedy and to not only not win a premiership, but to only make one grand final, get hammered in that one and to lose all the players that he's had. I think it's been a, very disappointing tenure from, from Leon Cameron. And I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't last the season. Big call, but I, I think 
Mm. Sorry, mate. You go. No, 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 no. I was going to say potentially big call. I know, but you know, I, d- I don't hate it. Yeah. Um, as far as calls go, I think the Giants. I think their defense is still well set up. They've still got a lot of talent, but I don't really see where it's where it's going to come from. If if you're arguing that the Giants would jump back into the eight this year, I'd be asking, well, who's going to do it for them? You expect. You know, you, you've got to have some sort of Herculean year from Himmelberg and Finn Mason and Riccardi. I'm sure they've still got Toby Green, Lockie Whitfield. Um, the Hogan and Cruz additions help Taranto, Hopper, Cornelio. Good players. But they've had good players before and not got it done when they really should have on a number of occasions. Like, if I'm being realistic, they... And the Bulldogs prelim in 2016, they were a kick away from the grand final. 2017 Richmond prelim. Again, Tigers jumping back from 13th of the ladder. Again, Giants probably should have probably done that one as well. Should have been in there. Grand final in 2019, they get slaughtered. Don't they've forget, the, just been off don't the, forget the semi-final in 2018 too. Mm, yeah. But they've always been there and thereabouts, but they've never quite had enough to get over the mark. And I don't know what that is yet. Is it a work rate issue? Is it, a, is it personnel? I doubt it. But I don't think they're going to do it with this group. Um, I think this is probably the last year that Leon Cameron will have really of a team in a contending mindset because I don't see how they're going to stop hemorrhaging players, as you say. And I think they've lost a good one in Caldwell to be perfectly frank. And Jeremy Cameron needs no introduction. So, yeah, I see it as another... I don't see it as necessarily a bottom four year, but I, have, I haven't I have got the Giants in my top eight, and I don't think they've ever been there throughout the off-season, if I think, through my ladder. So, tough year. Tough year coming up for the Giants. Fans. I agree with everything you just said. Uh, moving on to Hawthorne. Speaking of a difficult season... Patty, how do you think the Hawks are going to go? <laughs> well, um, I think they've adopted the right mindset. It's different to, I think, a, um, a team like like the Giants, for instance, where they're, they're on the way down. Hawthorne have accepted where they are. And they've gone to the draft. They've got a, one of the better defenders in there, Granger Barras, who I think will play senior footy. Connor Downey on the wing seems like a really good selection and they've got a bloke, Jacob Kaczynski, who just kicks bags for fun in pre-season games. So he'll play, Tyler Brockman. Um, it's a good, good-looking base for Hawthorne as far as youth is concerned. But it's about it coming together and about if Clarkson is the coach, really, to have a developing group of younger players and understand that he's not going to contend for a final spot. I think it's going to be a tough year for Hawthorne in regards to wins. I don't really see them jumping out of really the bottom four of the ladder, to be honest, considering where other clubs are at. But I think a little bit like Essendon, it's more about development and it's more about the evolution of this list. So tough year, but that's to be expected, I think, with with where Hawthorne's list is at. Yep, I fully agree with that. I think Hawthorne... Because of Alistair Clarkson, right, it, on the one hand, it's really difficult to imagine Hawthorne having another year like 2020. But then yet again, you look at the injuries that they have to start off the season with, and that fixture to start off with is brutal. 
brutal fixture. It's going to be really tough to, I think, dig themselves out of the hole that I predicted they're going to be in by the end of the first 10 games or so. You know, it's, it's entirely possible that they're going to lose every single one of those opening 10 matches. Um, I'm not predicting a great year for the Hawks. I think it's going to be another long one for Hawthorne supporters, but I wouldn't be shocked if in 2022 they rebound swiftly. Maybe not to finals, but to challenging for the eight. Because Alex yeah, Clarkson, you know, he's he's one of the greatest coaches of all time, and you just expect a team coached by him to to at least challenge for finals, if not every year, if not every other year, then at least once every three seasons or so. And so. To be honest with you, I can't see them not making finals in 2022, but 2021, they're going to be nowhere near it. Moving on to Melbourne. Ooh. Mm. Wow, mm. wow, wow, wow. Where do we predict these? Uh, these? I do not know. Patty, what about you? Yeah, this is this is interesting. Um, they really were good enough to make the finals last year, Melbourne, and just came short. They... I think if, if they start the season off brightly, if they can get these midfielders back on the park who've been missing, like Viney hasn't been playing, they're going to get these guys back in the middle. They've got the list to do it. They just need everything to really, everyone to actually be on the park at the same time. They haven't, like they're, they're having to go with a full forward mix, a full forward, sorry, a, um, a forward line mix that's probably the one that they were trying to avoid um, having to play this year because of the injuries to Brown and Co. I think McDonald. Oh, not 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 McDonald. The um Jackson. Oh no, Wiedemann. Sorry. Mm. Um, with Brown and Wiedemann both hurt, so they haven't been able to get them out out there yet. They should come back into this team, and if they do, I think it's good for good for the days. The midfield group is as good as it's ever been. This is the best midfield that we've seen at the Melbourne Footy Club for for quite a long time. You've got a genuine wealthy A-plus talent in Petrarca. And the next guy off the, off, off the rank is, is Clayton Oliver, who is, again, one of the best accumulating midfielders in the comp. You've also got Jack Viney in there, Angus Brayshaw, who's got exposed for me, just I think needs a good year. James Harms should be back in there. They've got a bunch of young blokes, Tom Sparrow, James Jordan coming through. Max Gornger Ruckman. You've got a good backup Ruckman who's athletic and plays in the forward line can jump over small buildings and planes and people like in Jackson. So it really should work for Melbourne is the point I'm trying to get to. The question is, however, is that it is Melbourne. So they've generally found a way to bugger something up most years where they should, shouldn't be buggering things up. So I'm, I'm, re- I'm genuinely 50-50 on Melbourne. I am totally undecided on what this year is going to be. I've got them in my top eight. I'll tell you that much. But... I think I think that pieces are in place for them to make a return. Maybe not exactly to 2018 form, but close enough to it that it makes them really hard to knock off. Yep. Yep, I agree with that. Um, Melbourne fans, I, I just want to apologise uh, for predicting that you guys have finished last at the end of 2020, back when we did our first episode of D3 The Banner podcast all the way back in round two last June. I think this year is a make or break season for Melbourne, but in a different way from Geelong, right? Because at least Geelong has been 
making finals football consistently this past 15 years or so, right? And they've had success in that time. It's just about whether or not Geelong had success again. Melbourne hasn't had premiership success since 1964. They haven't made a grand final since 2000. From the 2006 semi-final, which they lost against Fremantle, until the 2018 elimination final against Geelong, they weren't even in September. 2019 was a horrible year. 2020, they narrowly missed out. 2021, they have to make finals football Melbourne. No excuse anymore. They've been constantly saying that, you know, oh, 2018 was just an aberration, you know, 2018... I'm sorry, 2019 was just an aberration. You know, 2018 was much closer to our true form. Well, to quote, I'll quote the you know article from the AFL website about this. Prove it. This is the year they have to prove yeah. it. And if they don't, if they miss finals again, I would be shocked if Simon Goodwin is in his same job now, this time next year. On to North Melbourne. I'm not predicting a good year for North. I don't think I have to explain <laughs> why. Uh, Patty, do you want to have a go at explaining why you think North Melbourne's going to have a bad year? Uh, yeah, I'm going to try and not be too reductionary, but this is not a, a, a football team that quits really to, to make finals. I think they've made the most out of a few interesting decision-making processes at, at a club um, rhyming with um, following should. But Jaden Stevenson is a very, very good pickup for this team. And it is got a nice list profile. You've got a lot of good youngsters coming through. They've got, you know, Jai Simpkin, who just broke out. You've got two ball winning midfield freaks that they've just picked up in the draft in Tom Powell and Will Phillips. I think the pieces are there, but they're five years away from really making a tangible difference, I think, for this team. I think they're pretty much penciled in, in most people's bottom two and bottom four. If we're to be a bit kinder, I just don't really see also where the goals are really going to come from for North Melbourne because Larky, Zaha, Stevenson, that doesn't really fill me with a lot of confidence um, after the departure of Ben Brown. So tough year for North. I think their their list is probably hit its it's hit its uh, absolute basement, and I think it's now going to be on the way up slowly. But we're we're a fair way away. I think from seeing a competitive shin bonus side. Yep, I agree fully with that. <sighs> to be. To be perfectly honest with you, North Melbourne supporters, it's going to be a tough year. No sugarcoating it. It's going to be a really, really bad year. But take comfort in the little rays of sunlight, which will burst through the dark clouds that will be your 2021 season. You've got a new coach, you know, pretty impressive stint at Brisbane under Chris Fagan. And so he's, he comes from a place where if not premiership success, the foundations for premiership success have been laid. He knows what it takes to get to finals. He knows what it takes to win a final. And so it, it's going to be a tough year, but I think your long-term future is fine. 
but short-term future is going to be very, very painful. Port Adelaide, speaking of painful, geez, that prelim final loss. Wow. Yikes. Yeah, yeah, yikes. That would break the heart of just about anyone, I reckon. Great year last year, Port Adelaide. The first team since Essendon in 2000 to go through the entire home and away season on top of the ladder. Pretty impressive. Only to fall just short of the grand final berth. I think it's going to be a good year for the power. Patty, I'll go first on this one. I'll go first on this one. I think Port is going to have a great season. I think they're going to challenge for the flag again. I think it's going to be a year. I could easily see it being a year like Essendon had in 2000. You know, Essendon, we were the best team in 1999, lost the prelim in a heartbreaker in a game that we should have won. And then we came back and we dominated the competition in 2000. I could totally see Port Adelaide doing that. Maybe not to the same extent as Essendon did in 2000. We may never see that again, or at least not for a while. And I know there's going to be Geelong Cats fans saying, what about us in 2008? Yeah, well, you didn't win the flag in 2008. That's the major difference. I think Port is going to have a great season. Fantasia, as long as he can stay healthy, and Aaliyah Aaliyah, they're only going to help. You know, two great players, Aaliyah Aaliyah especially, one of my favorite players in the league. I'm not just saying that because he's a former Sydney Swans player. Genuinely really like him. Um, Fantastic player. Great addition to an already formidable Port Adelaide backline. I think they're going to have a good year. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree. Um, I think Port uh, probably, I think there's a really... The top three teams in the competition, or you can accept the top four and include Brisbane, um, and Port are firmly entrenched within that little cohort. They've done nothing but improve their list over the off-season, as you mentioned earlier, and Orazio Fantasia. I mean, Raz looks cherry ripe in their, in their pre-season hit-out, albeit it was against Adelaide, who we both probably got as uh, wooden spooners for 2021. But they looked fresh. I think Port they're, they, they're as close to a flag as I think they've been um, really ever, to be honest. I think this is one of the best Port Adelaide teams in the AFL era of their history that we've seen. On, just on talent, I don't really see them dropping away. I don't see where they're going to lose games um, or where they're going to really drop in comparison to their 2020 form. Um, I think Porter uh, Machine. I think they're close to the best team in the competition, if not the best. And I think you've got a lot to be excited for. I think it's a good time to load up on the power. Casper? I totally agree with that. Speaking of the best team in the competition, got to talk about your Tigers. Can they do it? Three P hasn't happened a lot in the history of the competition. Unsurprising, it's difficult to win one premiership, let alone three in a row. Carlson did it 1906, 1907, 1908, flexing my uh, flexing my VFA knowledge here. Uh, Collingwood did it four in a row, 1927, 1928, 1929, 1930. Melbourne did it twice, first in the late 30s into the early 40s, and then in the mid to late 50s. Then we had to wait until 2001, 2002, 2003, Brisbane, and obviously Hawthorne fairly recently. So the gap is getting narrower between when we wait in for the three-peat, for three-peat teams, right? You had 40, 40, 45 years between 
Melbourne in the 50s and Brisbane in the early noughties. And then only a 12-year gap between Brisbane's third in a row and Hawthorne's third in a row. And now, less six years after Hawthorne won their third in a row against West Coast, can the Tigers do it again? Paddy, do you think it's going to be another great year for the Tigers? Or do you think it's going to be a year where we finally, and I'm saying this as a non-Richmond supporter, finally see a little bit of a regression? No offense. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting. If you look really at the um the talent of the wrestling competition, it's not it's not really that who can really take it off Richmond. They're not going to basically be penciled into a grand final berth and have to we have to worry about the other team. It's it's a genuine like Geelong, Port Adelaide, and Brisbane, especially the four, the first two. I think will give the Tigers a lot of grief this year, and really. This I think this Richmond team, same as Port Adelaide, have, have, will not be. I don't see where they're going to get worse in comparison to 2020. They they they're flying at the moment. No real injury concerns apart from Basher Hui, um, and he's been ably replaced by Jaden Short um, across half back. So it's all going to be about where they can improve and and if they're going to be able to go with I think Port Adelaide, who I think on talent are probably the best pound-for-pound pound team in the comp um, with the Tigers and the Cats not too far behind. So how are they going to maintain the drive? How are they going to go go really changing their game plan as they did in 2020 with their, with their more clearance-focused game against the better teams? How are they going to go adapting? But I think they're, they're a genuine show um, for three and three and four and five. Their, their list is in a, in a good spot age-wise. They've got good young young players who should be forcing their way through. So and they've proven they can get over injury concerns and, and being found out early in the season. So I think, yeah, Richmond are well-positioned, but um, unfortunately for them, so are a bunch of other teams. But I, I've got them in the top four, Casper, um, and I think they'll all go close, trying to keep my Richmond hat off. <laughs> well, look, to be to be fair, I think there are a lot of non-Richmond supporters who can't stand the Tigers, especially completely fair enough. Who completely, completely fair enough. Who, who agree with you that they're going to finish in the top four. We'll get to where I think I'm go- We'll get to where I think they're going to finish when we do the ladder predictions. On to the Saints. First time they've made uh, that they were in finals since 2011 last year. Uh, won a thriller against the Dogs before being comfortably beaten by the Tigers. Where well, Do you think the Saints are going to have a good year or a bad year, Paddy? Yeah, I think it's another good year for the Saints. Um, again, don't see them getting worse. and I can easily see them getting better. They have, have had one of the best off-seasons um, with trades and recruiting for two years in a row now. Um, if you think that they, you know, Butler, Howard and Ryder, over the 2019 offseason. And then last year, they bring in Jack Higgins and Brad Crouch, Sean McKernan. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. Um, that's it's very good, very good additions considering where their list is at. So for the Saints, it's about continuing what they did last year. Um, they got that great taste of finals footy where they came up against a team, similar age profile, good experience and won in a, in a cracker and then defeated by Richmond in the second week. So it's working well for the Saints. I think they're one year too early. Um, if we're gonna, if we want to start calling them for for top four fancies and flag fancies, I reckon they're definitely a shot. But I think this Saints team is probably a really good bet in about 2022 and 2023. I think they're just 
a little bit too early into their, their finals run to call for premiership contention. But it's all coming out Millhouse um, for the Saints. It's just about keeping this group together, playing good footy and not being distracted from the goal, which I don't think they will be. They're looking in a really good spot. Yep. Agree with everything you said. I think the Saints Saints could Saints could win it this year. This could be the year where we see the drought finally come to an end. And see the it could be the year where we finally see the lonely 1966 Premiership Cup finally get a buddy, finally get a friend in that trophy cabinet. I think it could be. I'm not entirely. I don't think they'll be quite that good. I don't think they're there yet. And I, I say that because I look at some of their losses last year. Comfortably lost to Richmond twice. Got hammered by Geelong. Wasn't what you know. weren't able to beat Brisbane in a game that they probably should have won. These are teams that you have to beat, right? And with the exception of Brisbane, who they were very competitive against, you've got to be competitive against the likes of Geelong and Richmond if you want to win the premiership in this day and age. And so I don't think they're quite there yet, but I think it'll be a major shock if they miss finals football. I think they'll play finals footy again, possibly top four. We'll see. Um, but I think it's going to be a good year from the Saints. Sydney Swans. A lot of people mm. think that the Swannies are going to have a bad year, Patty. Are you one of I'm them? buying stock on the Swans. Yes. I am. I good am man. To the moon. To the moon with the Swans and to the moon with the Dockers. I really like um, I think quite similar to Fremantle, what, what the, uh, the Swans are doing with their younger players. And, well, not younger players anymore, but those sort of early to mid-20s guys in, in Mill. Well, I think Mills is now probably mid-20s. But Mills, Dawson, Heaney, Florent, Will Hayward, really coming into their own right about now. You've got Nick Blakey, who's looking really good. Tom Papley's the star of the competition. If Buddy can get in the park, that's, all, that's much that's very good news. Um, for Sydney, their defence is pretty solid, pretty unassuming lot. If they can get this midfield group to click, if we can get Kennedy, Parker, Florent, um, James Rowbottom, Rowbottom is another one who I really like. If we can get them clicking, if we can get guys like Haywood going through there, even Papley, this becomes a really hard team, and Mills as well, pardon me. This becomes a really hard team to match up against because they've got a bunch of very, very good players, hardworking, that sort of blood culture, but really got them a flag in 2012 and got them into contention pretty much every year in the um, the early 10s. So I I think the Swans will overachieve really for their list prof- profile. I think they're probably still one or two years early to really be serious finals contenders. But I think there's a massive chance that they end up, you know, we look up in June and August and they're intense or not and right amongst it. However, there's still a lot of young guys to play in this team. And we've got, there's a fair old chance that we'll see Errol Goulden and Braden Campbell play in the early rounds of the season. Chad Warner is another guy who's really bobbed up and put his name up. Will Gould and another. So I think this one's team, while they, they definitely, I think, have the resources to, to mix it with the best of this sort of Melbourne Frio Collingwood GWS Carlton group, I think they'll probably bring up the rear at the end of the year. I think this is a year where the Swans will be amongst it in about June and July and then start to fall off as their younger guys tire. But I'm buying stock on the Swans. I like where this list is going. It may not be this year, but it will certainly be in the next two or three. How good is Logan 
looking. Logan oh. McDonald. Oh, I forgot oh. to mention him and Jordan Dawson. We, we love Logan. Logan. They are so excited. So excited to watch him play. He could be big call. He could be the next Buddy Franklin. I know maybe that's a little bit rude to say considering that Buddy Franklin is still playing. But still, he could be as big and as good as Buddy. And man, can you imagine when mm. Buddy Franklin comes back? That forward line duo could possibly be the best since Lloyd Lucas. Just saying. Could. Yeah. It could. I'm excited. Will the Swans make finals? Maybe. Maybe not. But I think they'll be a heck of a lot better than last year. And so for that, for the fact that they'll challenge for the finals, I think it's going to be a yay year for the red and the white. Yeah, yeah. On to the Eagles. Patty, can they win outside of Western Australia? That is, I think, the biggest question heading into 2021. West Coast is such an interesting team um, because they're really not that different from that 2018 Premiership winning. Eagle has landed group. They're going to get Will Rioli back towards the back end of the season as well, and they've, they really should be better considering the addition of Tim Kelly. But for some reason, it's just not quite clipped in the last couple of years. And I still am unsure, really. I'm, um, this is, I think there's three or four teams on 50-50 on. It's Melbourne, it's Carlton, and it's West Coast, especially West Coast, because they, they look like world beaters so often. You've got Natanui in the ruck, one of the best ruckmen in the competition, if not the best on his day. You've got Shuey, Kelly, Jack Redden, Dom Sheed, Andrew Gaff, Elliot Yo in this midfield group. Absolutely stacked. Mark Hutchings, defensively, one of the best, if not the best mobs in the league. McGovern, Shepard, Barras, Shannon Hearn, you add Witherden to that group. But for some reason, it just hasn't clicked the last two years. And they were desperately close to making the top four on both occasions, on both occasions. But the one brain fade loss away each time and it's cost them dearly. It's cost them two years where they really should have been in prelim. They really should have been mixing it with, with Richmond and Geelong, but haven't been. So is this the year where they go back to 2019? I'm not sure. There's every chance that they finish top four. There's also every chance that we see them fall to seventh or eighth on the ladder, I think. And that's actually where I have them placed, just because of the quality of the sides around them. I do get a feeling that in five or six years, we're going to be talking about this West Coast team similarly to how we talk about the West Coast team of 2015 that made the pre- uh, made the grand final or the Essendon team in the early early noughties, Casper, where we're thinking, geez, they won, they only won one flag in that run. Mm. They were that good and they won one flag. So I'm not sure about the Eagles. Genuinely not. I'm leaning towards tougher, tougher years for the Eagles. But they, they have so much ability to prove me wrong and make me eat my words. Yeah, look, I think they've got the talent to be really good. They just have to win outside of Western Australia. You know, they'll get 11 games at home, 11 games away. I'm not convinced that they can win enough games away to be a challenge for the premiership this season. Mm. So if they prove me wrong on that, no reason why they can't win the flag. But they've just, they have to, they just, they can't rely on winning at home solely to, unless, 
you know, the grand final gets moved to Perth, God forbid. But look, it's, it's <sighs> Perth, you know, it, it's a, it's a wonderful home ground advantage. I think it's the best home ground advantage in the league, even better than Richmond's home ground advantage at the MCG, the dogs at Marvel stadium and the lions up at the Gabba and Geelong down in Geelong. But it's home ground advantage means nothing if you can't win away. Yeah. Moving on to the dogs, moving on to the dogs. Uh, They have barely made finals the last couple of years and got bundled out immediately in both of them. Can the dogs improve? Will it be a yay or nay year for the sons of the Scray? Throwback. This is so, yeah, this is so interesting um, because I really like this Bulldogs team on paper. I mean, adding Adam Trelaw to any team in the competition and you've, you've got a team which is probably going to make it yet. Um, well, that's to the stretch. But um Considering how stacked this Western Bulldogs midfield is, where you've, you've got Bonson Pelly, McRae, and Trouble to start with, and then once you're done with those guys, it's all right, you've only got Liberatore, Dunkley, and Bailey Smith. Like, that's, that's God, my, my goodness. Um, that is video game level stuff, but <laughs> it works well in a video game, but does it work well in practice? Can you really play? Is Josh Dunkley going to be as effective when he's playing 50%, 60% at half forward? Bob's going to be spending a lot of time up forward, which, as we saw in the practice match, he's pretty good at. Um, kicks three in three quarters. Looks okay, that bloke. Jeez. Um, so it's got every chance to really work. And with Steph Martin in the ruck as well, you've got Martin English duos. You can play horses for courses and play one of them. It's, it's really good. The question is, is that if they can match that midfield dominance um, with, with high scoring like just monstering teams up forward because that's my concern with this Bulldogs team. I don't really think that Aaron Norton, despite all the talent he has, is going to be able to really lead this team to a top four grand final finish. You need, as we've seen with the premiership sides, really in this in the decade past, you need a genuinely good, like a very, very good, um, strong full forward or centre half forward. Richmond have had Lynch and Rewalt, West Coast had Darling and Kennedy, Hawthorne had Buddy and Roughhead. You need a dude up forward who's going to take big marks, who can kick three or four goals in a big game and drag you over. Like you look back in, in recent big finals, right? when Richmond come back um, over Geelong in a qualifier, Lynch kicks five goals, you know, and sometimes when you've got a midfield as good as the Bulldogs do, when you've got a guy called Marcus Fontenpelli who looks ready to explode and win a brown low, maybe it doesn't matter. But I just don't necessarily know about that, that forward line for the Dogs. But I think it's going to be a good year. They're going to be so much fun to watch. They're going to win a lot of games. They're going to look like absolute worldies on a number of occasions. It's just about whether they can keep that consistency through finals, whether that midfield can really drag them up to really their peak. And I think their peak really is premium final, grand final day this year. I think that's what they can do with it. But it's going to be a hard road. And geez, there's a lot of competition up at the pointy end this year. So big year for the dogs. 
but I like that they're really risking it for the biscuit. They're, they're all in and they've got a good young list as well. Yep, I, I, I agree with it. Uh, geez, you're right, that midfield. Oh, it's the stuff that dreams are made out of. Oh, goodness gracious me. If they can't win a final with that midfield, then maybe Luke Bedford has to go. Like, I'm sorry. But moving on to big call. The, a big call, I know. Moving on to the ladder predictions. Patty, you go first, first through 18th. What is your ladder prediction? All right, this is, I'm going to break, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a ladder prediction, but I'm going to break it down into, I think I've got um, five or six sections. So the first section is your top four. And I think I've got it, Port Adelaide topping it, Geelong mm-hmm. coming in second, yep. Richmond in third and Brisbane in fourth. And I think there's a size, there's a bit of a gap after I got those guys to fifth, which is the dogs for me. Yep. And then another gap to sixth and seventh, which are the Saints and the Eagles. So I think that's, I, I'm very happy with that top seven. Yep. I think you can sort of switch it around a fair bit. Then it gets really tricky because there's a host of seven teams, which I think are almost interchangeable from eighth to 14th. Mm. At the moment, I've got Melbourne with the final spot in eighth position. Frio just missing out in ninth. Collingwood 10th. Carlton 11th, the Giants 12th, Sydney 13th, and the Suns 14th. Mm-hmm. Every time I do this, some I look at some poor bugger in 14th or 13th and think, how is that going to happen? They're way too good. Mm. But, you know, seven teams don't go into four spots. Very true. So apologies to, to Swans and Suns fans. I think you've only got another sizable gap to Hawthorne and Essendon, and then they're in uh, 15th and 16th, and then another absolute cavernous gap to the, the bottom two teams, North Melbourne and then Adelaide in the Spooners position once before. Wow. So another tough season for the Crows. I like it. I like it. Um, okay. I like that list. I, I still think mine's massively different from yours. I'm going to go similar to you, right? So I've got top four, Brisbane on top, St. Kilda second, third place Ooh. Port Adelaide, fourth place Melbourne. I'm, wow! Yep, I learned my lesson not to uh, mess with the Ds. Uh, they proved me wrong last year, so I think I think this is going to be a good year for Melbourne. Richmond finished fifth, perhaps a little bit unlucky, but when you have as many players on that list with the age range that they have, can they sustain the rage? Richmond is my question. Can they maintain the hunger? three in a row it's rare for a reason and that's because it's incredibly difficult to do i'm just not 100 sold that richmond have the right chutzpah to do it eagles get a home final in sixth the dogs finish seventh Fremantle finish eighth dockers are making the finals which means that geelong finishes ninth wow geelong to miss the finals uh that's yeah so when i when I mentioned earlier that Geelong, uh, that the uh, tactics that the Cats had in, during the offseason with trading was going to backfire on them, I really mean I think it's going to backfire on them. Carlton finished 10th, Sydney 11th, Gold Coast in 12th, the Bombers in 13th, Collingwood in 14th, and the Giants in 15th. I know. I know Collingwood fans and I know Giant supporters, if there are any out there listening to this, I understand, right, that there's going to be some of you who say, what, 
why are we sliding as much as we because you guys didn't show anything either last year or in the off season to prove me to prove otherwise that you're not going to have a horrible season but who knows it could be the year that you know Collingwood and GWS have to have Adelaide finished 16th improvement on last year not a massive improvement Hawthorne finished 17th and then North Melbourne uh, going to win the wooden spoon this year, I reckon. Kangas for the wooden spoon. Ooh, wow. Yep. yep. Giants bottom four. That Giants bottom enormous. four. Collingwood bottom five. I'm excited to come back to this list at the end of the year and see how wrong I am. <laughs> uh, so who's your tip oh, for dear. the grand final matchup, Patty? Yeah. So I've picked as much if my head is um, ahead of my heart here. Um, and I've got a Port Adelaide grand final. Yep. I'm going to come up against Geelong. Wow. So you've got, you've got the cats in ninth. I have them in the granny. <laughs> um, Interesting. And I think Port Adelaide win it. Yep. Interesting. How come? I've got, I have my trepidations with Geelong as, as you do. And it's, it's, it's evidence and you've got them in ninth. I do think they're they're still going to be good enough, but I just I really love Port Adelaide. I think there's so much to like about the way they play. I'm I think Zach Butters is probably one of my favourite players in the competition. This guy's freaking amazing. Love the fact that you know he um in comparison to Dersma and Rosie, he's sort of the invisible man in comparison. To those that the um the other two young guns that Port Adelaide picked up in the one draft, you wouldn't really know him if you pop, popped out out of your toaster in the morning, um, and so that no good day, good day, mate, how you doing? You wouldn't really know him. Um, but Zach Butters is such a big player, and he's so so quick, so clever. He's he's seriously exciting. Um, I just really like watching Port Adelaide as a Richmond supporter. I I, I love them. And I think this year is really their year to, to win the flag. They were a goal away. They were a deliberate free kick to Kane Lambert, um, which I do agree was there. But they were a nice edge decision from the grand final last year. And I do think they would have beaten Geelong in that grand final. And I think they will do it in the grand final against Geelong also in 2021. Big call. I like it. I also have Port Adelaide in the grand final. Can't say that Geelong's going to be there since I've predicted them to finish ninth. Uh, by the way, that number must ring a ring a bell for you, eh, as a Richmond supporter? You remember finishing Not ninth? Not anymore, man. The, yeah. <laughs> Better say the good old days back when life was a lot simpler. Um, <laughs> uh, I think Port Adelaide versus Brisbane. Rematch of 2004 in 2021. A a former bomber is going to win a premiership medal in 2021. Wow. And as an SNS supporter, that kind of hurts to say. But Port Adelaide, I think, have Port Adelaide Brisbane, I think, have the best lists heading into this year. I think they have the best balance between youth and uh, and experience. I think they are both going to have a lot of hunger and a lot of disappointment after the way their seasons finished. Uh, especially with Brisbane, massive opportunity missed. Because of, I think Brisbane has a lot more to prove this season than Port Adelaide does. You know, they've had a couple of years now where they haven't really been that successful in finals football. Yeah, I know they won the qualifying final last year, but I mean, you know, whoop-de-doo. 
Um, because of that, I'm, pre I'm predicting Brisbane to win it. Revenge mm. for 2004, the Lions to take it all. And the last question, Patty, coach under the most amount of pressure in 2021. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Um, I think we're, we had a down year on, on, on coach, uh, coach Saki. Mm. The only one who left us, I think, was really sure. And that wasn't even a sacking, really, was it? Um, we're hoping that he's going to have a good season with the Suns and his role up there. But you can go down the list, literally. Um, you can go Simpson under pressure if the Eagles have a bad year. Same with Goodwin at Melbourne. You go Collingwood, Buckley, massive pressure. If Teague can't get Carlton to the finals, he's going to be called through his head. Leon Cameron's probably out of a job at the end of the year. Um, Stuart Dew of Gold Coast, fold again, you say to have questions about him. Um, what happens if Rutten or, um, or or Clarkson can't get their rebuilding sides and Hawthorne and Essendon respectively, or Essendon and Hawthorne respectively rather, to, to win a few games? And what happens if Adelaide are calamitously poor under under Matthew Nix in his second season? Out of all those, though, I think uh, the the clear the clear two, uh, Cameron and Buckley. You're talking about coaches who've had a, a longer tenure than the rest of those guys. In, in Leon Cameron, it's, you're talking about a coach who, who's probably led his side to the peak of where their performance will be. And you're looking at a giant side who desperately need a rebound to save his job, in my opinion. And I think the same is said about Buckley. Though you have this whole other issue about losing players to other clubs, as well as the absolute tumultuous off-season that Collingwood have had um, with their do-better report, the, the conduct of Eddie Maguire, up until his resigning, thankfully, mm -hmm. and the the reports into racism at their club, systemic racism, which are damning, and Nathan Buckley's response to it, I don't think he's done him any favours, to be perfectly honest. So I don't think we'll be seeing Leon Cameron at the Giants, especially next year, and I think the same might be said for Buckley once. I think yeah, I don't know if his contract's up this year or next, but I don't think he'll be offered another one. Yep. Fair, fair call. Look, I, I, I know I've talked about Leon Cameron and how he might be gone by the end of the year. But I tell you what, another person who might be gone by the end of the year if his team underperforms is Simon Goodwin. And I have them making the top four. So no pressure, Simon Goodwin. You better make that top four, <laughs> otherwise he might be gone. Uh, no, in all seriousness, right? Melbourne, since 1964, they've waited, right? How long must Melbourne supporters wait? for their pain to finally be over, right? Also, as a Melbourne hierarchy, if they miss finals this year, you've got to be considering whether or not 2018 was actually the um, the, the one-off, right? And not 2019. If they miss finals mm. this year, it would be a massive surprise to me if Simon Goodwin is still there in 2022. Yeah, likewise. They have to make... They probably have to win one as well. So... Massive pressure for Simon Goodwin. The weight of history yeah. is on his shoulders, which Leon Cameron doesn't have. It's going to be tricky for Simon Goodwin. Uh, and all the best to him. I, I Sincerely, I, I wish him well. Um, yeah, pull I wish pull him one well. out for Simon. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. The next one is going to be out very, very, very soon, in which Liam and I predict the first round of the AFL season and I see whether or not I can grab a 
couple of tips off of him for the rest of the year. Maybe, maybe not. You'll have to tune in to see. Meanwhile, Patty, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Uh, wish you all the best for Thursday night. And as an Essendon supporter, I hope you belt Carlton. Oh, appreciate that, Casper. Thanks for having me on once again. <laughs> all good. As for you, dear listener, I shall see you next time. Sayonara.